Are you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday! Happy Hour Season 5 uh, episode. I don't know. I don't, I'm giving up now. So, but but this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is the girlfriend therapist, a.k.a. Cortina, or Cortina, a.k.a. the girlfriend therapist. And this is Louisa, a.k.a. Phoenix. And before I give the drink, shall we listen to Cortina's weekend so we can toast it? Well, I don't know. Do the drink first, because then we're going to turn. We, we are going to like, <laughs> open it up. So... Okay, okay, give me one second. Yeah. So our drink today is called a coconut co- oh goodness, coconut daiquiri. I can't even talk, y'all. I'm sorry. Coconut daiquiri with a twist. So you need light rum, orange juice, lime juice, unsweetened coconut milk, and simple syrup. And I already know when you hit simple syrup. <laughs> well, you lost me at coconut because I'm allergic. Oh goodness. I don't you know what do that is, no. nothing coconut, not coconut cookies, candies, cakes. I don't do no coconut. Oddly, it numbs my tongue. You know what? The only allergy that I have, I don't break out, but it just literally numbs not my tongue. That's terrible. And I ain't talking to you no more. Hold on a second. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so what you do is you add the orange, the rum, the orange juice, the lime juice, the coconut milk, the syrup into a shaker with ice. Of course, you shake until it's well chilled and then strain into a glass um, and garnish with uh, lime or lemon twist. And you can also make it to a frozen drink. So it could be a frozen, you know, uh, cocktail. You just add ice and blend it. Okay, okay. So we're going to kick this show off a little bit differently than what we normally do because we do normally have a WCW that we all celebrate. And today we are going to celebrate and recognize our own Cortina Peters, who had her grand opening. Yeah. Her center, uh, mental health center that she is the founder of. So, oh my gosh, give us the deets. Give us the deets. So y'all know, like, I'm, I broke down like a hundred times because I'm a stickler for time. I am a stickler for everything to go right. And so the place where I normally rent the chairs, when I got to the place, they had a sign on the door. They had an emergency and they had to close. So I had to call 27 different places to try to rent the chairs. I tell you, like, I was like spazzing. I was like, oh my God, people can't stand up. I have to rent the chairs. Like, I can't get the chairs from the place that I'm that I usually rent the chairs from. Oh my God. So I that's how my morning started. And so I finally fa- finally found a place. And then like just making sure that everything was the way that it needed to be. Um, just so that it could be in my eyes, the way that I envision it to be. And so after me, like having to calm down and my girlfriend she was she was like Cortina no one else notices like only you so I did get my chairs but as far as like us being like a few minutes off or whatever she was like everything looks great like I know it's yours and you know like what it's like but 
everything is fine. It's perfect. Because I was freaking out because Dee didn't bring my table for me to set up my books. So, you know, I like my whole little setup. And so I was pissed off about that. But guess what? It didn't matter because I just had the book set up. And once people heard, they just started buying them and I didn't even have a setup or nothing like that. So after I was able to calm down, then I was able to explain exactly about the New Art Center and our mission and our vision and what we want to do and how we are the only uh, provider in this area where it's an actual center where you can walk into that focuses on black mental wellness and health and like okay promotes it like it's in your face um and so it has just been great i'm so excited like i I'm like over the moon and elated about being in 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 this in this space. And so I am here now. I'm in my office up in the world and you can't erase your skin. You can't change the, the skin that you're in. So really being able to throw the S off your chest and just throw it in the garbage and don't even wear it and just be okay. If you got to get a housekeeper, Get one. Like, don't let anybody make you feel guilty about asking for help. That's one of the things that we were taught and that was modeled for us that it's not okay to ask for help because that means that you're weak. And, you know, society says we have to be strong black women. But what, what does that even mean? Right. I can be strong in my ability to use my voice to ask for help when I need it. That empowers me. And so just really being able and giving individuals a voice to be able to ask for what they want, what they need, what they desire, and also ways, because we can't change microaggressions, but what we can do is change the way we respond to it. So, well, yeah. I love it. Congratulations. Thank and you. so let me ask you this How does it feel being a Black woman that is making this social shift in your community specifically? Um, it feels great. It feels, it feels, what's the word I'm looking for? Surreal, maybe? Um, not quite surreal, but maybe kind of like, I'm going to use one of your words, uh, Pam. I feel very unapologetic about how I show up in space. Okay, now. You know, I had at my opening, I had uh, one of my friends say, well, because I was just telling them about what I want to see, what my vision is. And he was like, well, you don't want to be more inclusive. Oh, wow. But, you I, know, um... I said you can go to 100 websites about therapy and you will see nothing that looks like you. I am not going to change my mission to make somebody else feel accepted. If they don't walk in here and already feel accepted, well, guess what? This is not the place for you. Yeah. And so I am not going to change my sole focus and my and and what I'm promoting to make privileged individuals feel like they can fit in. We're welcoming to anybody. Yeah. However, the focus is on black emotional and mental wellness. So That's right. That's right. I said to him and he was like is that discrimination? I said, I'm, I don't turn anybody away. That's just like me going to a tattoo parlor. If I don't believe in tattoos, I might not feel comfortable. They're not discriminating against anybody, no religion or anything like that. But if it ain't for you, it just don't fit. Yeah, exactly. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I can't wait for you all when you're down here to come actually experience what it means. And everybody, like the feedback that I've been getting, and I've, I've seen patients here today, they was like, I just feel like I belong here because the type of music oh, that I that's awesome. I don't be playing no light therapy music and no massage therapy music. No, I got my playlist. And we got the <laughs> to get the ads off of YouTube music. And we have all of our blickety black, black playlists that we play. And so when they come in, they feel like it's like, dang, like this is comfortable, right? You know, like this is what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I wanted to create. That's the environment that I wanted to create. That's what I wanted people to feel when they walked in here. As y'all can see from the video, we got all types of snacks. We got healthy snacks. We got unhealthy snacks. We got gluten-free snacks. We got all the calorie snacks. It, whatever you want, whatever you, whatever you're looking for, you can get it. I, oh my gosh. I, I commend you on, but I know you, <laughs> I know you. And so it, it was, it was so funny because I was working Saturday, um, and I was still making sure I was like FaceTiming with Morgan. And then once, you know, I was like, God dang, it's taking a long time to cut this ribbon. <laughs> like, you should just go ahead and cut this ribbon so I can see it. And I unfortunately was not able to see it until afterwards with the video and everything that Morgan sent me. And that made me feel really good. But I was, I stood around for as long as I could. I'm thinking, okay, when the heck is she? She said she's going to ribbon cut at five o'clock. And well, I, I, the didn't start until yeah, six. I was having to get ready. And so everybody started coming in about 20 till. And I was still like on FaceTime on, with it all the way down on music. I couldn't hear anything. I just wanted to see it. Man, yeah. I was like, look here. I told Morgan, I was like, I have to go. I have to go to work. Yeah, it was the ribbon cutting ceremony. So we had um, everybody and their mama talking. It only was three people. Hey, everybody and their mama was talking. I was like, oh, okay, that should have started at 4.30. So Melissa Meyer, she's actually running for state rep, District yeah. 40. And so like she is huge in the mental health uh, circuit and everything. And that's one of the platforms that she's running on. So I thought it was because she is black and 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 in the political realm, because we do know how politics influences, how the budget is cut, what we spend on mental health, how we do mental health training and planning and all of those things. And if there's any legislation, you know, if she is, if she does win that particular seat, that means that you have somebody that you know, if you want something, if you want someone to sponsor a bill, you already have someone who that's already part of their platform. So I yeah. thought it was important to have her here, um, a representative from the Black Health Commission. Um, they were unable to be here, but they would have been here too, because they do a lot of stuff for Black individuals in this area. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just important for me to put those things in there because it's all about, again, like partnerships. And so if you look, when you walk into my office, I have like this eight thing, eight card holder, eight space card holder. And I have like a black gynecologist. I have someone who does black love journals. And so it's all about promoting black businesses. Black, 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 just out there. 
That's when you say, I'm looking for every black person to win. Yes. Um, like in the words of Issa Rae, who are you going to work Right. In the Rae, right? Yes. I'm rooting for everybody black. Issa Rae, that's my girl. I know, right? I know, right? So, well, congratulations. Look forward to more to come and, you know, see how you flourish and, you know, just excel in, you know, in your business. This is so amazing. I'm just excited. I can't wait to go visit. I really can't. So our guest is actually arrived and y'all, let me tell you, I've had the pleasure of meeting Miss Ashley Thomas, Coach Ashley, but you know, and when I say dynamic, and this is just this is a great actually actual actually this is a great segue um, from you being the you know the first black woman to own an all black and fo- black focused mental health center, you know, made for black people. Well, Ashley is the first black woman-owned call center in America. Uh, she is the CEO of Su- Supreme Drive Recruiting. And so I think that's amazing when you can be the first black anything. Ah. She is a well-known nonfiction author and one of the Amer- of America's most renowned success stories because she beat the odds. Her book, Divorcing the Game, My Journey from the Stripper Pole to Owning a Million Dollar Trucking Business, has made a major positive impact after being presented on Fox 4 News and New York Weekly and Forbes. Oh my gosh, y'all. Just let's bring her on up here. Come on up here, Ashley. What's going All on? All right now. All right. Hey, how are y'all? Good. good. How are you? I am good, girl. Just finished working, winding down. I, I saw this was her inspiration, happy hours. So I got my wine and I'm ready to spill all the tea. Yeah, I already told you I was like, oh, y'all gonna love her. I had the pleasure of of meeting you when when I was in Atlanta at the divorce party and energy. I mean, raw energy. You got it. That's what you're going to get. So I'm I'm so excited to kick this off. First of all, let me ask you this. How does it feel knowing that you are the first woman owned call center for truckers? I it just give let's start with that first it it feels amazing and i say this because it's bigger than me you know what i mean i'm focused on like capitalism where everybody get paid in a circle we're circulating money people are able to run their businesses truck drivers are able to um get high paying jobs because we negotiate their rates for them and don't let them get paid you know fucking pennies and then you know i'm able to provide a platform for our community to come in as an entry-level driver recruiter and make ten to thirty thousand dollars a month you know, I'm able to coach people and show people this is what you can do. So mm-hmm. it's bigger than me. And I think that you go really, really far when your vision is bigger than you. You know what I mean? So it's just not about me. It's about, you know, the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's dive into this juicy book. Divorcing <laughs> the Game. What inspired you to write this book? You know, I had the, my mentor. Her name is uh, Dr. C. So she had a conference on a, you know, a big, it was, it was huge. You know, she had a big stage and all of this. And she's like, Ashley, I want you to to speak. And I had never spoke, you know, this was last year in June. And uh, this, this guy that I heard uh, speak, he was so powerful. And when I was sitting at the table after I had spoke, you know, I didn't tell my story because I, you know, that's, I was just there to talk about trucking. Um, And I, the Holy Spirit led me to tell this man, once he walked up to my booth, he said, hey, queen, 
I said, hey, how you doing? Um, I used to be a stripper, was pimped at 13, fat, was put on the track at, at 13 years old. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit was like, tell this man all your business. <laughs> it was crazy. And I'm like sitting there telling this man my business. And I got people nudging me like, girl, don't be telling that man all that. So I told him the tea and he was like, you know what? He said, your story is going to change the world and I want you to call me. And when I called him, he said, you know what, Queen, your, your story is going to change the world and I'm going to help you write a book. I charge 10000 for what I do, but the Holy Spirit is telling me to do it for free. Mm. That's when it all popped off, girl. It, it popped from there. It was, it was go time from there. So let's talk about your past a little bit, because mm -hmm. in your book, you expose a lot. You you pour a lot of really personal details in there. And so before we first of all, before we go back to the your past and have those conversations, did you feel any kind of reservation about putting this all in a book for the world to see you completely naked? It. <laughs> It, no, 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 no. But it was because I know that it's going to bring people out. It's mm -hmm. going to bring people out because the, the things that I'm exposing in this book is more common than known. And it's been put in our culture. Hey, you shut you shut the fuck up about this. You don't bring that up. Don't bring shame to the family. I don't want to see none of that shit in the public or nothing. And if back in the day, if you were to expose those kind of things, your family would fucking say, hey, we're, we're disowning you. We're, we're blacklisting you. They don't want any anything to do with it. So, no, it was more of. I was scared to write the write the book because I had to relive it. And it was like a healing process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tearing up just even thinking about it because at what age do you feel like you lost your childhood? I mean, I know you say 13, you, you were pimped, but yeah. like at what age did you really, do you recall like, you know, I really, even though it happened at 13, I lost my childhood before then or at 13, was it just like, Soon as I hit teenage years, that was my life. That was gone. Yeah. When I ran away from the house at 13, I knew it was real then. You know, I got to put the childish games behind me. You know, I don't really know what's out here, but I got to look out for me. And so the childhood was gone because now I'm messing with grown men. Now, now preachers want to pay me for sex and all of this kind of stuff. So at the age of 13, that's when I knew once I made the decision to walk out of my great grandmother's door, it was like, all right, this is it. Ain't no turning back. What prompted you to leave? And you don't have to give too many specifics because I know it's in the book, but what really prompted you to leave? Because my mother, I, f I felt abandoned and I felt my mother didn't want me. And my great granny was sheltering me so much to like, I couldn't, yo, I couldn't talk on the phone. I couldn't go to the movies really. Like, but she was sheltering me from, you know, a woman, which is my mother, who would try to pull up and steal me out of the yard at a young age at seven or eight. So after that, I was just like in a closed area. And I'm like, OK, you know how kids think, well, shit, my mom, she's trying to keep me out the hood. It, it must be some, some fine dudes in the hood. Like what's out there that you're trying to keep me from? And so yeah. that alone, I was like, OK, there's something out here. Plus, I got to go find my mom. I know she a dope dealer doing drugs and all of that. But I got to go find her because I need answers. Mm. Wow. So in in all of that, what would you say? What's the what's the span period between me saying, you know what, enough is enough of this. I can't do this anymore, and kind of 
pivoting to where you are now, what was the, the, the time that you spent from when you started to when you said, okay, I'm closing that chapter of my life? You know, I end up, um, I was exposed to the sex game, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's all I knew. So you know what comes with that. You know, you're in clubs, you're doing all of that. So when I had to run away from the pimp and all of that kind of stuff, I, I had been raped, I had been beaten, I had been bruised out there on the track and stuff like that. And somebody uh, banged on, on the door where all the girls were. Now, remember, I'm 13 and I'm in a house with grown women mm-hmm. and they're protecting me. Like, it's kind of like a... A cult, whatever they, whatever for daddy, you know what I'm saying? And this man was probably like 56, 57 at the time, you know, and um, somebody knocked on the door and a lot of the girls were upstairs. I was downstairs watching TV and somebody banged on the door. I opened the door and, you know, they come in rushing with guns and shit. And they're like, okay, where is this, where is this dude at? Where the fuck he at? You know, where the money, where the money? So, um, God was on my side because I had just got dressed. I thought I was so cute. I was about to get out and go hang with some friends or whatever. And he was like, you know what? You cute. I'm going to let you go while he's putting the gun in other women's face. So I was able to get away. I was able to get away. And from there, I started working at the strip club and I became a madam and pimping other girls. Now, that mm-hmm. part is not. Wait, at, at what age? Um, I did. De- I danced from. Uh, 14 years old, because I stayed with the pimp for about nine months or so, almost a year. So I started dancing at 14. I got a fake ID um, all the way up to 21. So Mm -hmm. when I hit 19 and, you know, 20s and all of that stuff, then I was like, I don't want to strip no more. I want to pimp. So that's what I was doing. And that's, yeah, that's a gem right there, because that's not in the book. (laughs) And and sometimes when it comes to, you know, kind of even luring younger yeah. individuals into that they put the face of the the nice woman out there and you can come and we show you this yeah. life and everything because we're yeah. not gonna go with the big bad wolf but if i can go with this lady who i trust and she yeah. gains my trust and i start to like her and i feel like oh my god i'm getting love and support that i don't get at home i want to go over here with Ashley, like she, she's cool. She feed me. She give me clothes. You know, she yeah. cool. She give me a cell phone and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm working with um, victims of human trafficking, you know, that's the the theme in their story. It wasn't the the man or anything like that. It right. was they they got connected either through a friend who is in like their same age range, like a peer, or like someone they viewed as like a, a older aunt or like a mom right. figure. And then that's how you get them hooked. That's right. They love me. Right. So when the girl picked me up, you know, the, the first girl, she was his bottom bitch. Okay. Oh, okay. I know what that is, right? Yeah. The bottom bitch. Okay. It's mainly. So the bottom bitch picked me up and she about 23. She my height. She cute as hell. She pull up in a brand new drop top black Corvette. I will never forget it. And I had never been. In, I'm like, y'all eating like that? Mm-hmm. But I was under the impression that we just go out with rich men, you know, go to a restaurant or whatever, have some lunch, have some dinner, you know, and get a check. But little did I know, you know, I was real naive at that time. And, and you I were young. That. Yeah. And I saw that kind of stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is where it's at. So when you started pimping, were you mindful about the age of girls? Because, uh, you know, if you entered in very early, 
Did you mm-hmm. feel somewhat overprotective to say, you know what, I, don't, I want, if I'm going to pimp anybody, I don't want them to be 13 or 14. Right. Or yeah. is quality just like straight yeah. raw free because everybody has to get fed and they have to earn their keep. See, with me, I, I have a, and I, I still have it to where I like to, I, I can't, I can't explain it. I, I went after grown women, women that was older than me. You know what I mean? To let them know, hey, I'm bossed up. You know, this mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. I'm going to make sure you eat. You know, you're going to give me 40%. You keep 60%. I'll do all of the investments. I'll bring you the clients, all of that. I'll make sure you have the nice clothes. Make sure you have, you, you drive the flyers cars. Make sure you're, you're lit, you know? And they respected me because I was younger, but I was making sure that they ate. I wasn't beating on them. Um, they didn't have to come and give their money to a man. They wasn't forced to do anything, you know, and they was pretty much out there hoeing anyway for free. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, let's get some money. You like what I'm driving? I will pull up on them in a pink. Um, I had a pink Barbie eclipse on some rims. I always had Jaguars or whatever. So I pull up on them. So they're like, hey, well, we want to, what you doing? You know, so that's, <laughs> that's how that started. No. So at what age did you, so you stopped stripping at 21 when you started pimping, you just said, I'm just want to give up on that life. Well, at 19 to 21, I was in that madam space and I had a sugar daddy, so I didn't have to do anything, but I had a sugar daddy to where, you know, me and him were exclusive and I get a a allowance every week. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with him between that, those couple of years while I was being a madam making extra money with girls. Oh, wow. And so then what coming from that, that's so weird. Stripping and then trucking. So because <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a segue. So uh-huh. from stripping to trucking, what what the hell is your thought process to say, you know what, I don't want to be a stripper no more. I think I'm gonna I wanna deal you can do trucks. Yeah, so very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> very interesting story. So one night I was in the after hour club, you know, the after hours is what they close at like five in the morning. So I'm keeping yeah. it at the after hour or whatever. And um, the Holy Spirit speaks to me loud and clear. And I had a cup of Hennessy in my damn hand. And he said, listen, I want you to put a cup of Hennessy down and I want you to get in your car and I want you to drive to this church that your friend has been going to. And I want you to park in the parking lot until the church opens and walk your ass in that church. And I don't care what you got on. I said, Lord, I'm not about to do none of that. Like I got this cup in my hand. I got this freakum dress on. You tripped me. So he got louder and louder and louder mm-hmm. until I left. So I left. I went to the church. I got in the backseat of my Jaguar and I went to sleep. I don't know who woke me up in the middle of, in, in the morning at 9 a.m. when it was time to go into church. I walked into the church. I had these, clo- these club clothes on, y'all. I had on like eight inch stilettos. So I'm walking in the church. Um, the pastor says something. I'm screaming, Lord, give me the power. Lord, give me the power. It's like the, the pastor said I showed him what a made up mind looked Mm-hmm. When I walked in the church, Ooh. it was it was a trip. So that was a Friday night. I was at the after hour. Oh, no, it was a Saturday night. I was at the after hour. So that Sunday was the next morning that I woke up and went to church. I went back. The Holy Spirit said, go back to that church and tell everybody, or go back to the club that you were at that Sunday, the same Sunday I left church and tell everybody about the goodness of God. Why the next Sunday I had half the club in the church? Had half the club in the church. So from there, I met this guy and he's like, hey, if you want to be with me, man, you can't, you can't do, you can't have no sugar daddies no more. You can't do none of that stuff no more. Can't. 
and it was aligned with what God was telling me to do. Mm -hmm. so I got mm -hmm. with him and I'm like, well, what the, what the hell you want me to do now? You know, I'm used to making bags. Like, what do you mm -hmm. want me to do? You working up damn furniture place. Hey, what do you want me to do now? So uh, he found me a uh, security job selling home security. And I was already a beast in sales. Why? Because I've been in the sex selling business and I can mm -hmm. sell dreams, you know, mm -hmm. I was a top rep there. From there, I worked for about five years. Um, I, I was doing really good there. And then I had a friend come to me and he's like, yo, Ashley, like I drive trucks. Like, you know, trucks are a cash cow. Like, let's get a truck. And I'm like, what the hell you mean get a truck? Like, who the hell got some truck money? You know, those trucks, $50,000. Who got some truck money? And so I went to my great granny. Um, shout out to our Henry. I went to her and she's 90 today. And I, I was the black sheep of the family. You guys know why, obviously. And she said, okay, let's do it. Mm. And, and my landlord, um, he, um, multi-million dollar man, he's been, he's had my back since I met him eight years ago. And he was my landlord at the time. And I'm like, hey, let's, let's go in on getting a truck with, you know, my granny. And he was like, all right, so the journey. Wow, that's absolutely that that's a page turner by itself. I know why you wrote a book. Yeah. yeah. I I'm I'm floored for so so many reasons and I think that it's such a great thing when you mention, you know, that your your great grandmother is 90. Your great grandmother your grandmother. Yes, my great grandmother the one. So my mom dropped me off on her doorstep at 9 months and rang the doorbell and didn't come back. Wow. So at at 90 your grandmother, your great grandmother has had the opportunity to see your evolution. Absolutely. And her own chapter in the book. Yeah, that has to be the most rewarding feeling that you can ever have that she got to, you know, she probably didn't think that she probably thought you was going to end up just like your mother. And here you yeah. are. So yeah. do you have a relationship with your parents at all? It's, you know, with my mom, not really. Um, we just don't see eye to eye um, because we don't see eye to eye due to the fact that I shouldn't be the one. I'm the great granddaughter, you know, of my great great grandmother and nobody helps me, you know. So it's just like we don't see eye to eye with that. So we just kind of don't talk at all. Um, mm -hmm. With my dad, I feel he was just as guilty as my mother, even though he's not on drugs or any of anything like that. But he still left me and he actually pulled up. We had a, a speaking engagement at a high school and I was actually able to say these things and talk my story in front of him about the pimp and the hoe and everything. And it was like shackles just fell, fell off of me because he got to hear that and it was healing for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oftentimes when individuals do write books, even though, because when, when healing can kind of take like two forms, I go to therapy and I heal, but then if I haven't like even sat and revisited it or anything like that, yeah. writing and reliving that can be very cathartic. Right. So it's not, I'm not going to say you don't experience the, the deep, deep pain because you don't, if you've gone to therapy and really healed that part, but it's right. almost like it can serve as a reminder as to, wow, like, look at what I've been through and where he brought me from and where I am today. And there are some people who enter that life that didn't, that wasn't as fortunate as me. 
You know, mm -hmm. they didn't make it out or they're still right. there and they don't even have any hope because that's the only thing that they see. But being able to even detail and outline from the beginning to where you are now, how do you feel when when you're when you're looking back at that and when you're going out and sharing your story and telling your story and the people are coming up to you? Like, what is that like to know that your voice is healing and helping other people? Oh gosh, that just makes me teary eyed, y'all. And I do, I'm the cussing friend. I am not the crying friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I just have so many people walk up to me and tell me, thank you so much for being real. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being real and, and popping your shit and not being so politically correct or not telling where you came from and just acting like everything is peaches and cream. Oh, I own a million dollar company, blah, blah, blah. And you can do it too. No, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and even the kids that I go to the school and talk to the high school kids. I mean, they call me, they FaceTime me. I answer because you just never know what somebody is really going through, but that's not how your story has to end. And I'm a walking proof of that's not how your story has to end. And as far as speaking, I will not, if somebody, to, if an organization says, hey, you cannot talk about God, I won't go. And I don't mm -hmm. care if you're paying me $50,000 because God is a part of my story. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I can only speak on what I know. Mm -hmm. So it makes me feel phenomenal in its ministry. And it makes me feel like I have to keep going because I'm reaching out to a market that nobody wants to deal with, with the scammers, the drug dealers, the hoes, the, the pimps, you know, the drug dealers, all of that. That's the strippers. I'm reaching back to that community. Right. Right. And when you how is it for individuals you used to run with? Right. When if they're still in the life and now they see you or you see them, what does that do to your heart? Like, how, how do you feel about that? Knowing I probably used to be in the club with them. I used to probably used to, we used to have the same pimp. We used to be in the same house. Yes. Like what, what does that do to you? I know that I've reached out to everybody that I used to run with personally. Oh, okay. I've reached back. Now, if they look at me some type of way or whatever, it's like, I see fear from trying to transition, but it's like, girl, I'm gonna hold your hand because we used to mm -hmm. run the streets. Mm -hmm. But people just, I've lost so many friends. Ever since I got serious about my business, I've lost so many friends. But one thing I am okay because I have reached back for sure to, to get to get those individuals and they didn't want to come. So it's nothing that I can do about that. Cause it's not like they like, oh, she just left us here. Yeah. She got out the game and she saved herself. And it was like, forget us. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've actually had the pimp call me probably six months ago and he said, Hey, Asia, how you doing? That was my, that was my name, Asia mm -hmm. in the streets. And I said, he said, do you know any girls that, you know, need to make money? And I had to tell him, Hey, yo, I, cause I've had the same number forever. And he's, I told him, Hey, yo, you can't call me like that. I don't know nobody. I'm not in that lifestyle no more. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. have nobody for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, I have reached back out. So it's just like, Hey, you know, I don't know if they don't believe that they can legitly make 10 to $30,000 a month, but it's like, Hey, I got receipts and, and we, you was my road dog. So I'm willing to show you what Supreme is bringing in monthly and you can right. get a piece of this too. But change scares the shit out of people. It does. Yeah. So I've done my part on that, you know? I've loved what I have loved about everything that you're doing and your story that while you've evolved 
you've stayed true to who you are. And I remember when we met and we were, <laughs> it, it makes me laugh a little bit because I remember one of the first exchanges we had was about, you was like the only one up there. You was on, you were speaking before me and unfiltered, like the only one cussing and everything. And <laughs> so every, you could see the looks of people, but I appreciated her raw and realness. She was like, look here, this is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't care who you are. And I love that about you is that you come and that you show people how connected you are to God, but as still you're how connected you are to yourself because of what he's done and purpose for your life. And so many people don't know how to be true to themselves and be true to their spirituality because they're so busy trying to dress it up for, for the church. Yeah. You know how the pastor was looking. Yeah, just, <laughs> I sure did say it. There's a lot of people who are fake churching out yeah. here. And I just love that your story has so much power through the word of God. And yet you're like, you know what? Until he comes in and and and, and say, here's what's not acceptable to me. He yeah. always finds you acceptable because of how he purposed you and what he needed to stay connecting to. Because not everybody... Not everybody gravitates to, oh, I'm so prim and proper. I'm not going to cuss. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be that way. But you're able to pull people from the streets. You're able to pull people to, to see higher because it's like, you know what? Wow. If she can grow this, you know, grow into this businesswoman, maybe I have a chance, especially when they're 13, they're 12. I mean, and there are, there are some young girls who are trafficked and, and pimping younger than that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's serious and um my my book now this is this hasn't been put out there yet oh, but, uh, oh my gosh a screenwriter has got a hold of the book and she will be getting the book on netflix wow oh, that is amazing yes it's, it's gonna be good now reaching people thank you thank it's, you i could i can totally see it and and I think it would be so unique because you are so unique. Thank yeah. you. Like yeah. seriously. Oh my God. Who would you so let's let's start with it? Who would you cast to play you? Like who do you think is out there that would be like, if I could have somebody be me, who would that who would that be? I am manifesting Tika Sumter from the haves and the have nots. Oh, love her. Yeah. Oh my I, I can totally Yeah, see. I like her. Yeah. You know, she was pimping back then on the on Tyler. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> sure was. <laughs> so she I think So I'm I'm going after her. She just doesn't know it yet. But, but she also has range. I have to say she has range because when she was on mixish, mix-ish, mm -hmm. she yep. showed how you know what I can I can I can be in this place, but don't cross me. Yes. <laughs> I love her. Her attitude is just like, all right. Now the younger me, I don't know who I would have played that. The younger me, you know, but uh, her for sure is as the grown, grown Ashley. Do you think that would be hard to have someone play the younger you and 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 be able to embrace that role? So, I mean, I if if because I can imagine why it's hard, but do you? How do you think that somebody so young will be able to embrace the things that you have gone through? 
Uh, you know, I was thinking about that, but you know how some actresses look so young and they're able to play like a young part. I was thinking about. Yeah, Kiki that's what Palmer. I was just thinking. Kiki mm -hmm. Palmer looks still looks young, and I think she could really play the role as the younger me. So that's who I was thinking about was Kiki Palmer. But I think for a child, though, I mean, these kids so damn advanced. When I go to the school, I give them, I pull out some money, and I said, "Hey." Who can tell me what a pimp is? Do you know these these 14 and 15 year olds raise their hand and they tell me what it is? I say, who can tell me what the whole stroll is? They tell me what it is. I said, who can tell me what a sugar daddy is? They tell me what it is. I give them the money for it. I said, okay, so now we're going to talk about liabilities and assets. What was I to the, the pimp? Was I a liability or was I an asset? They raise their hand. They say, you was an asset. You was an investment. These kids are so advanced. So I don't think it would be an issue finding somebody 14, 15 year old to execute. And mm -hmm. I totally agree because I'm in the house with teenagers. And oh. yeah, <laughs> the stuff I talk to them about, and I'm like, oh, oh so, yeah. yeah, that financial literacy class is calling your name. I put them in one too yet because mm -mm, y'all know too much. Gonna learn this. Y'all play too much. <laughs> They'll have you clutching your pearls, girl. These kids are so good. Where, where did you grow up? Where did you grow up at? In what state or city? Uh, I'm in Texas, right? But uh, right by Dallas, Texas. Woo, Texas. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm yes. licensed in Texas, by the way. You're, what, you from Texas? No, I'm licensed in Texas. I'm a therapist, <laughs> so I provide oh, therapy. Uh, so if you know anybody who would like some therapy, that's a, just a little shameless plug. I'm licensed in Wisconsin, Texas, Florida, and Georgia. You know, and that's crazy because I just fucking started therapy yesterday for the first time. I Good. just started therapy. Good. Congratulations. You should talk to your therapist about EMDR. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you are you if you're a therapist, I got a lot of people for you. Because oh some people, yes. So why, why, the girlfriend therapy? Yeah, why therapy? Why now? Say that again. Why therapy? Why now? It's like, you know, you made these transitions. And I mean, I, I'm and I'm I'm asking objectively just so that yeah. our audience can understand that everything mm -hmm. that you went through, you wrote a book. You had yeah. to relive these memories and you're just yeah. choosing now to go to therapy. Why? Therapy now is because I have, sometimes I get so overwhelmed. I have to be superwoman all the time, <laughs> literally superwoman. And I don't have no damn assistant, okay? I done ran through four of them. So it's like, I have to remember everything. I take care of my great grandmother. I was having issues in my current relationship and I wasn't going to get married with those type of issues. Um, I have a TV show coming out. I have all these interviews. I'm growing a business. I'm starting my uh, coaching program and I'm starting and I'm doing a course. So it's like those eight things like is I am and, and I don't get good sleep at night because for some reason I feel like I have a disorder. My mind will not cut off. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not rested and I will go days with, you know, every day to where I look up and it's 643 and I haven't eaten, but I want to drink because I'm tired, you know, and after, you know, with the call center, I was helping a lot of people um, and it, this still sticks with me. So I know I got to do some healing from it, but I caught COVID and I came back and I was dealing with the $85,000 worth of debt um, because they were stealing money from customers, having customers cash at them. Um, they were stealing from me off the clock. I was paying them $17 to $54 an hour. What fucking felon makes that kind of money and comes and fucks it up, mm -hmm. you know, and it left me. I almost went under, but God. You know, I fell into a deep depression and I just have a lot of healing to do. 
Mm. Because I still deal with rejection issues, um, low self-esteem mm-hmm. issues. And people would never even realize that, mm-hmm. you know. But I have issues from when, you know, I felt unwanted when my dad and my mom just left me. Yep. You know, I felt unworthy and I felt like, okay, you're worthless. And I still deal with those kind of feelings, but it has turned into um, a gift almost, if that makes sense, because that's what makes me go hard, so hard, because you're not going to reject my company. You're not going to reject me. I don't care if you got a PhD, you will not outwork me. You won't outgrind me. You know, I dropped out in the ninth grade, so I don't even have a GED. Mm -hmm. So therapy is the answer for me right now in this moment. Wow. And I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of times, like all of the things that you listed, those are all core issues that develop in our childhood. And mm-hmm. sometimes we adapt them and we pick up unhealthy ways to cope with feeling inadequate, not enough, unworthy, betrayed, unlovable, all of those different core issues. And they definitely impact and show up in our adult life. And we may not understand why we respond to things the way that we respond, but it's mm-hmm. definitely definitely out of that core belief that's deeply ingrained in us and so you have to be able to work through because you can be a millionaire but i still may have some challenges when it comes to me feeling like i'm going to be rejected or abandoned or betrayed so my coping mechanism may be maladaptive and not helpful to where i am currently in my life so making sure that you fix and adjust and shift that yeah, that, that is so accurate. You put that so poised, girl. That was good. <laughs> that was good. I, 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 I can understand. And I think most all of us here are, are business women, own our own businesses or practices. And, and I will tell you, as a Black woman who owns a Black company, imposter syndrome is so real. This, I think the, you know, our own community, especially, have a way of almost making us feel like we should dis- discount ourselves or undervalue ourselves even though we know our own worth and but it does hit a little bit differently um and i think we have a responsibility as our own businesses to be our own voice because if we don't advocate for us first we can never we can never expect anyone else to advocate for us and so with you going through for assistance and people stealing, I just had a phone call today or, or I was messaging with somebody today that is dealing with, had dealt with someone stealing from them too. And they're a black owned business. It's like, when do we stop and build our own general weight, generational wealth in our own community? If our dollars can circulate the same way the white dollar circulates, oh my gosh, you know, we would definitely we would have our Black Wall Street in multiple cities in this in this in the United States. And there's no reason why we should not. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, I, I think I just I love everything that you're that you're saying. I love that you're getting therapy because even if you were healed from all of your your traumas, because a lot of that you're so used to grinding and grinding and grinding, you don't have no idea how the hell to stop. You're like, when do I stop? <laughs> yeah, life will slow you down one way or the other. So good that you're taking and getting a handle on that now, uh, you know, before it spirals out of control in terms of like working yourself to death. I, yeah. I've learned how to put some balance in my life, although I, I need me an assistant too. And when you don't have one, the shit be real. I know. Uh, but people, people don't see that. They, and that's the other part is like, 
is really true. You can't judge a book by its cover. Not my story, not Louisa's story, not Cortina's story, not anybody's story, because the power of where we came from makes us who we are now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So I, I love that you're getting therapy. And, and I also will say this. I love that you said one of the reasons why you're getting therapy is because you don't know how to turn yourself off. Yeah, I don't. And it's, it's, it's torment, you know, it is. It's torment to, to not have rest, mm-hmm. you know? It's torment that, yeah, so it's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, therapy it is. <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go, so uh, give, us, give us some nuggets about your life that you've learned that would inspire other people about pushing on and pushing forward. My main thing is this, don't, don't stop. You know, find something that you want to do, that you like to do. Find a problem to solve for people and focus on servicing the people and the money will follow. Don't chase the bag because that shit will run from you. Don't mm-hmm. chase the bag. But find something, be very intentional and deliberate and have a vision, a clear vision about what you want to do. Write it down um, and go after it and keep going after it until it pops because it will pop. I've been in the trenches for five years and this year it's going to pop. I've made millions, lost millions. OK, so it's going to pop. Um, I'm in the position now to where I have invested every dollar. Invest in yourself. Invest, invest, invest. Um, also, the last thing, do not let people snatch your vision from you. Keep your vision kind of close niche to you because you can't tell your vision, you know, to, to, you know, a damn turtle. An eagle can't tell his vision to a turtle because they don't have the same, same vision. I had people tell me, oh, girl, you stupid as hell. That idea is stupid. Like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And turn around five years later with a multi-million dollar company. And and, and that heifer don't even talk to me no more because she's shamed. Mm. You know, so keep it popping. Don't tell your tell your vision to, to turtles if you're an eagle and just keep pushing no matter what. Like, I promise you it's going to pop. OK. And so how can people connect with you, uh, whether it's wanting you know, to go into trucking? How do you how can they utilize your services and then, you know, can they connect with you on social media? And then last, where can they purchase your book? Uh, my book is on Amazon, Divorce in the Game, My Journey from the Stripper Pole to Owning a Million Dollar Trucking Business. That is on um, Amazon. Our Instagram is underscore Supreme Recruiting, underscore Supreme Recruiting. I'm actually giving away a $7,500 course for $47 and teaching all the sauce. And at the end, a lucky person will win a multi-million dollar driver recruiting contract from me for free. Um, and that's $47. And that's next Tuesday. So jump on our Instagram, uh, comment down recruiting on the post. You know, we'll help you get signed up and all of that. Um, we are on Facebook as well, Supreme Driver Recruiting and Supply Chain Solutions. And then do you have an email? We do have an email. It's going to be not, you know, a website. A website? Uh-huh. It's going to be SupremeDriverRecruiting.com. I am putting things here. Supreme Driving? SupremeDriverRecruiting.com. Supreme Driver Recruiting. Uh-huh. I'm going to have it come on the screen. Okay. <laughs> and so let me put this ad banner and run it. Make sure that that's correct. 
SupremeDriverRecruiting.com. Yes. And then for booking purposes, if you want to book for an event, a high school, a university, you can go to, uh, for Divorce in the Game organization, you can go to AshleyTheCoach.net. Okay. Ashley, the coach. Oh, yeah. Yep, that looked real nice down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you do you all do? Because, uh, what if someone are you hiring? We all we never ask that. Are you hiring? We will be hiring next month. So, if you're interested in working with the Supreme team. Um, you can go to SupremeDriverRecruiting.com and under the tab where it says Supreme Team Careers, you can fill out the information and a, a team member will get, get with them. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. um, we so appreciate you coming by and dropping all of these Thank nuggets. You you are Supreme Recruiting and www.SupremeDriverRecruiting.com. First of all, she done dropped that many nuggets. So if y'all ain't ready to make y'all a million, then don't even bother calling. She already, I'm sure she'll tell you what, you know, look here, don't come with the BS because she is about her business. So I'm, you know, you have having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I appreciate you. We're going to be in touch because we have some of the same people. Yes, ma'am. All right, y'all. Y'all have a blessed night, sisters. And it was a pleasure. Yes, you too. Okay, thank you. Wow. She's amazing. Yeah, she she's is. I, I told y'all she would be. Oh my God. We need more time with her. <laughs> I told y'all that. I was like, uh, first of all, that she was going to be. I knew when I met her, her energy, and we we didn't even meet for and get the chat for that long but just hearing her speak hearing her tell her story and then briefly connecting with her i mean oh my gosh i just knew it was like um a hundred percent so originally last week i knew i had said you know nico too good would be on but that's one of his clients so it was like a miss uh, the way that it came up in my calendar was a little bit different but grateful to have her oh yeah show and if that's not Oh God, if you aren't inspired after watching that, mm -hmm. bye. That's <laughs> okay. right. Just go, just go ahead. It's, it's not even, just, yeah, she was amazing. Just, just bye. You know, you, you, there's no level of inspiration in you and you're just going to have to, you know, eventually when you wake up from your dreams and decide you want to actually make moves on them, you know, then it, you know, you'd be purpose and go back and watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I know you're going to have to be dipping soon. So both of you really. So Louisa, we always start with you. Where can people connect with you at? And then briefly, if you have anything going on. Um, you can uh, connect with me at um, <laughs> uh, the Blue Phoenix Hills uh, all over the place. Um, I don't have anything going on as of right now. Um, just trying to figure out things here at home. And um, I guess we'll be working on some things later. So I'll let you guys know. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Louisa? I mean, I'm sorry, Tina. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, I am just going to be uh, continuing to prepare my center and just doing the stuff that I need to do. And you can find me at the Girlfriend Therapist on all social media platforms. 
All right. And for me, this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. I, I can be found everywhere at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y. I am Dr. P. Gurley. Next Saturday, next Saturday, I will be in Jackson, Mississippi, hosting and kicking Woo! off my kids red carpet tour, book tour, um, celebrating literacy. And so, yeah, sold out event. I will be in Atlanta on July 9th. That's going to be going to be the one coming up. So if you are an Atlanta children's book author, not adults, children's book author or a children's vendor, or have vendor children's things, you can uh, send an email to VIP events at I am Dr. for more information on how to be an author or vendor on the tour. Mm-hmm. So much fun. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm overwhelmed because so many freaking tickets. <laughs> so and there's, a, there's a long wait list. I'm talking over 200 people total, including my wait list. What? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of work and a lot of prep is, is in play right now. Uh, I'm still looking forward to it. I'll be traveling next week, heading out to Jackson, but I'm looking forward to starting to stand up everything and put things together for Atlanta. So if you are Atlanta based or somewhere in the Atlanta area, you just anywhere you want to be a part of this literacy event, you know, here again, reach out to VIP events at I am Dr. For the Herspiration Happy Hour show, you can reach us at, uh, you can be on the podcast if you want. Uh, I think we don't have very many left, so I don't know whether to, to post that. But if you do, it's dawentertainment.com backslash podcast. And if you like the show and you want to put some money in a tip jar to buy us a drink, you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com backslash herspirationhh. Mm-hmm. Everything that's going on, you know, we're gonna get we're getting ready to go on hiatus. I want to always remind people that that we also need a break. This every Wednesday thing is something crazy, but you know, you of course you know we're going to have some runs. We're going to make sure that you all stay connected with us. And if you follow us on social media, you'll always know what we're up to. Ladies, anything else before we go tonight? No, ma'am. All righty. So you know what? In the famous words of, of our closeout all the time. Cheers!